Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Incline listeners, looking to start your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Now, you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can have it heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What is up, everyone? Thank you for listening to The Incline. I am your host, Kevin Klein. You can follow me on Twitter, at Klein25. It's Tuesday, July 2nd, the month of June, in the books now. Your Los Angeles Dodgers, 57-29. That's first place in the National League West, of course. 12 games ahead of the Colorado Rockies. Still the number one team overall in the National League and Major League Baseball. Month of June, another great month for the Dodgers, going 18-10. and 10, Surviving that Coors Field series, which was just a total shootout. No lead was ever safe. But we got the 2-2 split. Thank goodness. Dodgers back home now, where they absolutely dominate. Dodgers Stadium taking on two NOS teams this upcoming week. We got... A two-game series first with the Arizona Diamondbacks. That'll take us through 4th of July, where we kick it off with the San Diego Padres. Overall, Dodgers, pretty good June offensively. They were 8th overall in Major League Baseball, scoring 145 runs. In terms of batting average in the month of June, 
they were sixth. They hit 270. We look around, looks like the Atlanta Braves, they, they had a really good month of June. They scored the most runs, 187. We look at home runs, Dodgers, seventh. They hit 47 of them, that tied them with the Yankees and Mariners. Atlanta won that category as well. In terms of our pitching, despite that monster series at Coors Field where the Dodgers gave up 31 runs, they still have the best ERA in the month of June. 308 earned run average. Second, you have to look to the St. Louis Cardinals who had a 365 earned run average. And then you look at opposing team batting average. Dodgers number one in that as well. Hitters only hit 217 against the Dodgers pitchers. You gotta really admit, that's that's a beast kind of stat right there. Even in Coors Field, they still had a 217 the entire month of June. They beat the Giants three straight. They swept the Rockies at home. That was when we had three consecutive walk-off home runs by the rookies. After that, they went to Arizona, lost two of the three. And in this most recent series, Coors Field, a 2-2 split, which we'll gladly take after trailing that series two games to one, heading into the fourth game and last of that series. Corey Seager, great month of June. Before he went down, he was hitting 425. Luckily for us, Chris Taylor stepped right in when Seager went down. He hit 312 the entire month of June. He had four home runs, 20 RBIs. Chris Taylor, after a very miserable start to 2019, he's now hitting over 260. He's become a great hitter with runners on base. Alex Verdugo, the best rookie on this team, he's just been outstanding. He hit 307 during the course of June. He had five home runs, 10 RBIs. And then Matt Beatty, another rookie. How about him? He hit 302. Justin Turner, the grizzled veteran. He hit 291 this past month, while Max Muncy, the all-star snub, 287, 8 home runs, 23 RBIs. Of all the Dodgers, he had probably the most productive month in terms of driving guys in. Not too far, not too far behind was Cody Bellinger, the all-star starter in the outfield. He hit 272, 7, seven home runs, 15 RBIs. Some of the guys that I'm going to call out for struggling. Kike Hernandez. I don't know why Kike Hernandez continues to get everyday at-bats against right-handed pitchers. He's just not getting the job done. In the month of June, he only hit 198. Also, his defense hasn't been the greatest this past month, making some stupid little errors. He had a 3-0 count in that series against the Rockies. He swung 3-0, grounded into a double play. Not a big fan of why he got the green light there. First right-handed pitchers in 2019, he's hitting 193 with seven home runs, 24 RBIs. Against lefties, he's hitting 253 with six home runs, 17 RBIs. 
Overall, he's hitting 215 on the season with 13 home runs. I think the thing with Kike, he needs a couple weeks down in AAA to get his confidence back. He's been really struggling. I mean, he did good to start the season, but in May he hit 183, in June he hit 198. If you can't hit above 200 two months in a row, really shows that something's off. I just want him gone for a couple weeks. He can come back after the All-Star break. It'd be better for the team overall if Kike could get his swing back. We're going to really need his platoon, sp- platoon splits come playoffs. A lot of fans out there definitely are on my side. Kike is just more of a liability at this point. Jock Peterson, he did not have a good month of June as well. Batted 186. Luckily, in that last game against the Rockies, he had three hits, so that kind of helped raise his batting average. Overall, Jock's been struggling the entire month of June. Austin Barnes batted 138. And then you got, you know, Barnes. He came into the season. Weren't really high expectations. More of a defensive guy. Still doing a good job there, but... When you got Will Smith right behind him in the wings right now, back at AAA, fans are going to get frustrated. They're going to want to see the guy who has the offense. Austin Barnes hitting 205 on the season, five home runs, 18 RBIs. It's not very good. I'm still a fan of Austin Barnes. I think if the other seven guys in the lineup ahead of him can all be productive, you're not going to really need Barnes' bat as much. We got A.J. Pollock and Corey Seager coming back soon. Hopefully that can put some pressure off Austin Barnes. I like that he has a 306 on base percentage, so it shows he's getting some walks. Overall, I think we can be very patient with Austin Barnes. He's not killing the team. Hopefully he can get better, but... I mean, he's... With Russell Martin not doing too much better and... Will Smith, who's been the best offensively this season. There's a lot of pressure on Barnes to come through. Anyways, I wouldn't stress too much on that whole catcher situation. Dodgers pitching, as mentioned before, they just did great. Starts with the guy, Julio Urias. He went 19 innings, hit a .95 earned run average, and he held batters to under 100. This is the X factor coming into the playoffs. He's going to be that lefty, give us multiple innings, shut down batters. They've invested a lot of time into Urias. It looks like it's finally paying off. He is the future. Threat out of the bullpen in 2019. Hopefully in 2020 he can become a full-time starter. Pedro Baez, solid out of the bullpen as well. He had a 150 ERA. And then the biggest turnaround, despite one bad game against the Angels, it's Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly, I'm going to have to take away the blow Kelly, I guess, for now. He's back to being Joe. Month of June, he had a flat 2 ERA. Starting to look more confident out there, striking guys out. He's the guy they gave all that money to. You know, he needs to come through. And the Dodgers, they had three pitchers make the all-star team. Walker Buehler, Clayton Kershaw, and Hunjin Ryu, who got the nod to start the All-Star game 
representing the National League out in Cleveland. Start with Walker Buehler. He went 3-0. He had a 245 ERA. Would have been lower if it weren't for that Coors Field Series. Clayton Kershaw, he went 2-2. Two two. He had a 2.95 ERA. He's back on the All-Star team. Good for him. And then your starter, Hunjin Ryu, he went 1-1. One one. He had a 2.70 ERA. It definitely would have been a lot lower than that had it not been for that one Coors Field game. Pretty much raised his ERA from 127 up to 190. So that put a big blow in his overall stats, but there's nothing you can do now. A few guys that were struggling. Dylan Floro. He had a 9.39 ERA. I keep saying he needs to go on the IL because he's clearly out of gas. We'll see what happens, but Floro just looks spent. And then a recent acquisition who hasn't, he's just not panning out. It's a lefty, Zach Roscup. He had a 13.50 ERA in the month of June. You know, Scott Alexander on the IL, Caleb Ferguson hasn't just has not been good. So they're trying out Ross Cup for now. He's even worse. And then Kent Maeda, he did pretty good. He had a 421 ERA, but he went 0-2. So this Dodgers Rocky series definitely lived up to the hype. Many people don't like games at Coors Field. I, for one, I love it. It's like a pinball machine. You don't know where the ball is going to go. Simple fly balls. Get elevated. Gain 100 feet out of nowhere. Become home runs. You'll see triples hit by catchers. We almost saw an inside the park home run. If you love offense, well, this is the ballpark for you. Dodgers fortunate to get that 2-2 split against the best hitting home team, the Colorado Rockies. Dodgers scored 34 runs. That is eight and a half runs a game. Rockies scored 31 runs. That's almost eight runs a game as well. 7.75. Four-game series. Walker Buehler, he gave up seven runs. Yimi Garcia blew a save. Cody Bellinger hit his 27th home run of the season in that game, while Max Muncy, he had two home runs. Dodgers overall in the first game of the series, they hit six home runs. Verdugo, Turner, and Kike's Grand Slam were a part of that. We said Wade Davis was broken. He showed why. He gave up that Grand Slam. He is a 6 ERA. Pete Lambert, he's no good. He gave up five runs. Dodgers go on to win that first game, 13-9. Second game of the series, Dodgers were winning. Fifth inning seemed to be a theme. The wheels fell off hardcore. The Rockies, they had an eight-run inning. Absolute chaos. I don't know if there was a witch in the ballpark or what, because everything went wrong. Hunjin Ryu, he gave up seven runs, season high right there. Despite a Verdugo and Muncie home run, it was all about Nolan Arenado in that game. He had a home run and four hits. Chris Taylor committed two errors. Charlie Blackman, three hits in that game. Game before, he had a couple hits. Six hits in the first two games for Blackman. 
overall in that series. Charlie Blackman hit 529 against the Dodgers, despite having the best walk-up song in baseball. I was nervous every time he took the plate. Third game of the series featured John Gray, who got eight strikeouts, outdueling Clayton Kershaw five to three. Kershaw gave up four runs. He went seven innings though. Great. That's really great to go seven in course field. You gotta hand it to him. If it wasn't it was ah, if it wasn't for a dumb air, Dodgers would have won that game, but it is what it is. Final game of the series. Kenta Maeda took the mound. He only went four and a third innings. Gave up two runs. He got a bruise on his butt from that game. He's probably a little sore sitting down. But Edwin Rios got his second start of the series. Hit a, he hit a triple in game three. That was his first career hit. Well, Rios started at third, that fourth and final game. Didn't really do anything, but the Dodgers got to Chad Bettis. We told you he was trash. This is why. Former starter converted to reliever, gave up six runs. Bellinger hit two RBIs, puts him in second in the National League at 67. Peterson three hit game, three RBIs. Cody Bellinger got, or Matt Beatty, he got two RBIs as well. What really pissed me off, though, was Zach Roscup coming into the game. Faced the heart of the Rockies order. They absolutely pummeled him. David Dahl hit a three-run home run. Buckley, David Roberts screwed his head back on, put in Julio Urias. Urias went three innings, only gave up a hit, four strikeouts. Best I've seen from any pitcher at Coursefield Field in that series easily. Dodgers go on to win. Tie the series. Thank goodness Coors Field is over for now. I think we're going back in July. When that juice ball goes into Coors Field, it's just insanity. I don't know why they don't have better humidors or humidify those balls or go back to the baseball they've been using for the past whatever years. Instead, they use this new juice ball there. Complete chaos. Everyone's ERA is going to suffer. Too many casualties. Fortunately, no one from the Dodgers got hurt. We're going back home now. Dodgers, you know, this team is just a completely different kind of animal when they're at home. When they're on the road, they're kind of like a like a lion. Pretty intimidating. Can definitely cause some damage if you anger them, look them in the eye the wrong way. But at home, this team is a giant grizzly bear. They will tear you up. Ain't nobody want to mess with a grizzly bear. At home, the Dodgers, they're 34-9. They're the second best hitting team, hitting over 280. I'm sure if it wasn't for Coors Field, they'd be number one. They're pitching remarkable as well. Well, first they're going to take on the Arizona Diamondbacks for a two-game series. Right now, Arizona, 14 games behind the Dodgers. They're 43-43. and 43. Taylor Clark, he'll take the mound. He's 2-3. and three. 
He's got a 6'10 ERA. He's not good. Dodgers just saw him as well. Didn't tear him up like I was hoping. Ross Stripling, he'll be starting for the Dodgers. Looking to extend that pitch count, hopefully to 75 to 80. He was on a tight one in his last outing because he hadn't started since April 25th. Well, he's 3-2. He's got a 308 ERA. Then the next game will feature Merrill Kelly for the Diamondbacks. 7-8, 4 ERA. And Walker Buehler looking to rebound. He's a better home pitcher regardless. He's 8-1 with a 343 ERA. Some of the guys you got to look out for on the Arizona Diamondbacks. It always starts with David Peralta. The guy is just a good hitter. Former pitcher converted to outfielder. Then you got Eduardo Escobar. Third baseman. Switch hitter is, I believe. And then Jake Lamb chop. He's back in the Diamondbacks lineup. Jake Lamb, lefty batter. He's had some injuries the last couple of years. Not the same player he once was, but I mean, obviously, he's a threat to Gil Yard if you throw him the wrong pitch. I don't think Christian Walker will be someone to worry about. I don't think he's going to face many lefties in this series. Other than that, there's no other D-backs hitter that really concerns me. It's mostly just David Peralta. I think both these starters are very beatable. It should be a sweep. Like If they don't win both games, I'd be surprised. Peralta has nine home runs, hitting 286, 44 RBIs. But yeah, I really think it's going to be a sweep. Both these starters are not good. Stripling, Bueller, very good when they're at Dodger Stadium. We move on. San Diego Padres. They're also 14 behind the Dodgers. They're at exactly 500 as well. We don't know who exactly the Padres are throwing out, but it's pretty easy to predict. Dodgers are for sure starting Clayton Kershaw and Hunjin Ryu. That means by narrowing out who the fifth starter would be, then it's clearly going to be Kenta Maeda. I think the Padres, they'll have Chris Paddock for sure, the Cowboy. Last time he faced the Dodgers, they absolutely tore him up. Rookie, well, he's four. And, he's five and four right now. He's got a three oh five ERA. Padres sent him down to single A for a week just to rest. Well, he's back. Then Padres are going to throw out lefty starter Joey Lucchese. He's someone that the Dodgers have historically owned. And then I think the next guy they'll throw out is their rookie Logan Allen. He's been pretty good so far. He's only made two or three starts, though. In terms of Padres hitters, Fernando Tatis Jr., he's back. He's healthy. This rookie has been incredible. I mean, Pete Alonso, he's got the stats for power. Well, Tatis Jr., he's got the stats for just contact hitting. He's hitting 337 on base of 407, 11 home runs, 28 RBIs. Eric Hosmer, first baseman, hitting 299. He's got 60 RBIs now. Manny Machado, he's really heated up. He had a really good month of June, batting over 300. He's now hitting 276 
20 home runs, 57 RBIs. And then other than that, you know, just in terms of power, you got to be aware of both Framrail Reyes and Hunter Renfro. Both of them have 24 home runs each. Padre is not a team you used to think of as being a power hitting team, but they've really changed their approach. They're hitting a lot of home runs this year. You know, they got some new guys. Clayton Kershaw versus Manny Machado. That's a matchup to look out for. I believe Machado's already homered off Kershaw three times this year. We don't want that to be a fourth. But other than that, you know, Padres got Kirby Yates, all-star closer. They like to use Craig Stammen as a setup guy. Going to be another tight, fun series. Padres really playing the Dodgers tough this year. But ultimately, Dodgers should be able to take two or three. So I think they can go four and one in these next five games. Extending that impressive home record. You know, the month of July, it's going to bring a a lot of challenges for the Dodgers. They're going to go to Fenway Park, take on the defending champs, the Boston Red Sox, in a World Series matchup. That's the first series right out of the All-Star break. After that, they go to Philadelphia. They're going to play them for four games. Then it lightens up a little bit. They got three games at home against the Marlins. Then we're going to bring Jane back onto the podcast because they got a two-game series at home against the Angels. Then they finish off the month, go to Washington, D.C. to take on the Nationals. Then they go straight to Coors Field, and that will be July. Then next thing you know, it's trade deadline. So based off this schedule, it looks like July is going to be the toughest month for the Dodgers. After that, it should line up. I know they got a series at home against the Yankees, but Dodgers got to keep doing what they're doing. I think the goal at this point is obvious. It's to be the number one team in the National League to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Now, in terms of a more serious subject, thoughts and prayers for Tyler Skaggs and his family out there. The Angels' left-handed pitcher was found dead in his Texas hotel Monday morning. They were going to play the Texas Rangers for a series, but the game was canceled. Tyler Skaggs, age 27, married since 2018. He was drafted by the Angels back in 2009. He was then moved to the Arizona Diamondbacks in a trade. But after his stint with the D-backs, he found his way back with the Angels in 2013. He was having a really good season. He Overall in his career, he went 28-38 and 38 with a 4.41 ERA. So we wish the best to everyone in Skaggs' family. Local guy, went to Santa Monica High School, got drafted right after high school. Tyler Skaggs, age 27. Okay, it's time to turn our attention to NBA free agency. 
this thing got kicked off on Sunday at 3 o'clock. A lot of players have agreed to contracts with a new team. We're going to dive into this right away. Let's start with the Los Angeles Lakers. First move they did, they signed Troy Daniels. He's a shooter. Everyone be real. Troy Daniels sucks. There's a hundred of these guys running around the G League. So if you're trying to convince me that Troy Daniels is a good pickup, I'm sorry, you're wrong. He's no better than Caldwell Pope. He's no better than Kyle Korver out there. The guy can't play defense whatsoever. Like I said, there's hundreds of these guys running around the G League. So you can act like, oh, well, they got on for $2.1 million. Yeah, good for you. He might not even be on the team come playoff times if they get there. So obviously the Lakers got Anthony Davis. They gave up the world for him. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, three first-round picks. Then they made a deal with the Wizards. They gave up Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga, Jonathan Williams. Cleared up the cap there, $32 million in cap space. Rob Palinka must be really nervous right now because Kawhi Leonard still hasn't made a decision yet. It's Kawhi Leonard or bust for the Lakers. If they get Kawhi Leonard, Palinka, he'll go down in Lakers history as one of the best GMs of all time. To get three stars on one team almost solidifies a championship. But if they don't get Kawhi Leonard, he's going to go down as one of the biggest idiots of all time. He took a really big gamble. He sold the future. And yeah, Anthony Davis is a star. But you can't win a title with two star players and literally nothing else. The Lakers have three active players on their roster right now. I mean, you look at who's out there, there's not a whole lot. Right now, they're kind of banking on Andre Iguodala to be bought out by the Grizzlies so they can sign him. They were hoping to get Seth Curry. Well, now he's gone to Dallas. Danny Green, who some believe is going to join Kawhi in the Lakers, I really don't think that's what he's looking for. On record, he said he's seeking an opportunity where he's going to get paid the most. And the only reason he's probably waiting for Kawhi is to put that contingent on Toronto and it has nothing to do with the Lakers. Rajon Rondo is a guy they can bring back, but do they really want Rondo? He can't shoot at all. Question from Jane, our Angels correspondent. She said, which team is a better fit for Kawhi? The Lakers or the Clippers? Well, this answer is pretty obvious. It's the Lakers. Right now, the Clippers, they don't have even close to the same upside as the Lakers could. They brought back Patrick Beverly. But other than that, it's pretty much the same Clippers squad. Just another year older of Lou Williams. Montrose Harrell, he'll be back. Daniil Gallinari, I believe he has one year left as well. They were hoping to get Kevin Durant to pair up with Kawhi, I'm pretty sure. Struck out on that. Clippers, you know, they have a lot of good young players, but if they're trying to win a championship, 
in this upcoming 2020 finals. It's not happening. Kawhi, it's going to boil down to two teams, the Lakers or the Toronto Raptors. And these lack of answers is starting to worry me that Kawhi might be coming back to Toronto. It's Kawhi or bust at this point. Everyone needs to panic. If the Lakers don't get Kawhi, they're pretty much screwed. They have no chance of even making a finals. I don't even know if they'll be a playoff team at this point. We're still waiting on that news. Has yet to be reported as of 8.35 a.m. Pacific time. Lakers are desperate enough that they might need Air Bud on this, at this point. Might need Luck of the Irish, that kid from the Disney Channel movie. This team has four or five players that they can really count on coming back. It's panic mode in Los Angeles. I don't care how confident you may be. They don't get collide. They're screwed. Reggie Bullock, former Laker. Well, he went to New York. The Knicks, that is. He got a $10 million contract per year. So he's going to be making $21 million over the next two years. Definitely overpaid for him. He's not good. Taj Gibson, he's going to the Knicks as well. Bobby Portis will join him alongside. Portis kind of has some anger issues. He literally punched his teammate Nicolo Miritich a couple seasons ago. Miritich went to Europe because of that. Not really, but we can pretend. Then the big signing for the Knicks, Julius Randle. Three-year, $63 million. He'll be making $21 million a season. I think that's a bit overspent. Good for Randle, though. I've always said Randle won't be a starting player on a championship team. You can definitely mark my words on that. Now the Knicks, heading into this offseason, they expected to load up. They wanted Zion Williamson. They wanted Kyrie Irving. They wanted Kevin Durant. Well, they got none of that. Knicks are definitely the biggest loser this offseason. Fortunately, they were able to get R.J. Barrett, third overall. He's going to turn out to be a pretty good forward, I'm pretty sure. Kevin Knox will get better, so that's a good dynamic duo. But the Knicks just continue to suck. How do you have the largest market in the United States and you can't put together a winning team? It just baffles me. So the other team in New York, the Brooklyn Nets, on paper you would think they might be the big winners. They locked in Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan. Well... I got news for you, Nets fans. You ain't winning in 2020. Kevin Durant is out for the season with a torn, blown-up Achilles. That thing flat-out exploded in the finals. There's no way he's playing this next season. So it's pretty much Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan. And Kyrie Irving, that guy has a history of injury problems as well. He's had knee surgeries. He's... His knee literally cost him a Celtics championship appearance two seasons ago. This is now the third team Kyrie Irving's been a part of. And this just really reminds me of 2013. In 2013, the Nets gave Joe Johnson a huge contract. They traded for Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. Sold the entire future for these aging veterans. 
had nothing to show for it. The team ha- became lousy for four or five years. Finally started to turn it around last season. They made the playoffs with D'Angelo Russell. Well, they let him go. Now they locked in these really expensive contracts. Kevin Durant entering his 12th season. Guys that late into their career, coming off a ruptured Achilles, odds are he's not going to be the same player he once was. If they get 80% of what Kevin Durant used to be, I'd call that lucky. I think the Nets are going to regret this long term. If they can make a finals, then it was all worth it. I don't see them making a finals whatsoever. They're going to regret this. Sorry, Brooklyn. Dark days coming for you, even longer than before. Milwaukee Bucks bringing back both their bringing back Brooke Lopez. He got a nice payday, and they're going to reunite his twin with him, Robin Lopez, coming to the Bucks as well. Then they re-signed Chris Middleton for five years, hundred seventy-eight million. They did lose Malcolm Brogdon though. This team made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, came up short against the Raptors. Well, they're looking to come back with their MVP Giannis right now. I would say Bucks are one of the favorites to definitely reach the finals. But the Philadelphia 76ers right now, I think they're the best team in the East. They bring, they're bringing back Tobias Harris, and they signed someone out of nowhere that I didn't see coming, Al Horford. So this team's going to have a lot of length. They're going to have Joel Embiid and Al Horford in the front court. They'll have Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, and I think the other starters to be determined, but that's that's a really good starting four right there. If Ben Simmons can develop that jump shot, he would finally be a complete player. He can pass. He can rebound. He plays solid defense. He just needs to shoot. The Indiana Pacers had a pretty nice start to free agency as well. They added Malcolm Brogdon. They're signing Jeremy Land, who was on... Charlotte, they're losing Bogdanovich, but Brogdon is a really good player. He won Rookie of the Year not too long ago. I think the Pacers, even though Darren Collison retired, I think the Pacers, once Oladipo gets back, this team can find themselves in the playoffs for sure. The Utah Jazz, that's another team that really loaded up in the West. They traded for Mike Conley. Taking on that huge contract, and they signed Bogdanovich as well. Now they got Conley and Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt. Rudy, Go- Rudy Gobert as their center. He's the defensive player of the year. Now you got Joe Ingles and Bogdanovich. Two good shooters right there. Utah Jazz, underrated team in the West. Definitely could make a run. Ricky Rubio, who was last with the Jazz, signed a nice payday with the Phoenix Suns. Not a fan of that move whatsoever. Phoenix needs defense. And this team continues to just find these point guards that run fast, play no D whatsoever, let the opponent run all over them. Ricky Rubio is just half of the player what Steve Nash was. I totally see what they're doing. It's not going to fool me. Ricky Rubio, totally overrated. Don't like the defense whatsoever. Yeah, he can shoot and pass, but it's just not going to work out for Phoenix. They need defense. Desperately, Booker, he doesn't play defense very well. DeAndre Aiden showed last year he was one of the worst defending centers as a rookie. 
They got rid of TJ Warren. Phoenix Suns ain't a threat anytime soon until they get some serious defense on that team. Celtics lost Kyrie Irving, and they lost Terry Rozier. Rozier got a nice paycheck to become the starting point guard for the Hornets to to replace Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker is going to the Boston Celtics. You know, Kemba Walker isn't as good as Kyrie Irving, but thinking about it, I think he's going to fill in pretty nicely. He'll be like 90% of what they have with Kyrie Irving. If Jason Tatum can finally blossom into the star they were expecting and Jalen Brown continue to improve, Celtics should be up there in the East. Maybe a three or four seed. You know, as long as they keep that core together, they got to get that chemistry. Last year, it kind of fell apart at the end. Kyrie Irving showed some attitude issues. We'll see if Brad Stevens can get that group to rebuild. Miami Heat really wanted Jimmy Butler. They wanted him so much, they traded Josh Richardson to the Sixers. They traded Hassan Whiteside to the Trailblazers. We'll talk about Portland in just a sec. But now Jimmy Butler going to the Heat. I've never been the biggest Jimmy Butler fan. I think he has really poor sportsmanship. Kind of a diva. He got the Bulls coach, Tom Dibodeau, fired in Chicago. Then he left that team after a year or two. Went back to Minnesota. You know, it was first a nice trade pickup. That second year, though, there was so much drama but between the practice and getting into it with Carl Anthony Towns, it's just Jimmy Butler. He's really toxic. I think I think something bad will happen in Miami. I really do. Jimmy Butler was quoted when he was in college, I believe, saying he's never going to wear a Miami Heat jersey. Well, money talks, I guess. Jimmy Butler going to be teammates with Justice Winslow and Bam Adebayo. You know, if they can land Bradley Beal, maybe this Heat team can be taken more serious. But I think the Heat, unfortunately, they're going to suffer. They overpaid for Jimmy Butler. Dallas almost was going to take on Goran Dragic. They backed out. Dragic's still with the Heat. So maybe Heat fans are excited for Jimmy Butler, but don't get too excited. You're going to regret this. Trust me. Golden State Warriors continue to try to carry on this dynasty. They lost Durant. They're bringing back Klay Thompson to a max deal. Thompson probably will be out till March. Tore his ACL. Well, they gave D'Angelo Russell a four-year, $117 million contract in a sign-and-trade. You know, they got rid of Iguodala and a few first-round picks to make this happen. But now, D'Angelo Russell is surprising all of us. I had a feeling he was going to go to a Pacific team. But I thought it was either going to be Phoenix or the Clippers because I thought he really did want to play the Lakers four times a year. He's going to get his wish. He's playing with the Warriors. Curry and Russell backcourt doesn't seem like a good defensive combo whatsoever. I guess when Thompson comes back, he'll be the small forward. Kevin Looney coming back. He'll play the center. Draymond Green, it'll be the last year on his contract at the other forward. DeMarcus Cousins, he's a free agent. We'll see what happens with him. But Russell will definitely bring that offense to the Clippers, or sorry, to the Warriors. I would be careful what I say if I'm Curry. You know, he may snitch on you, 
But just an interesting offensive dynamic right there. We'll see if Russell can step it up even more under the coaching of Steve Kerr. It'd be really interesting to see if D'Angelo Russell becomes a top three three-point shooter next season. Another team in that Lakers division, the Sacramento Kings, they loaded up as well. Resigning Harrison Barnes, who they traded for last season. They signed Trevor Ariza. He's a good defender. Getting up there in age, though. And Dwayne Dedman. He's going to replace Willie Cauley-Stein to go along with Marvin Bagley, it looks like. Still don't think the Kings are a playoff team, but maybe it's more so because Luke Walton is their coach. Fluke Walton was terrible last season. Yeah, there were injuries, obviously, but when LeBron went down, they still had Ingram. They still had Ball. This team was losing to teams like the Knicks, the Cavaliers. They got literally wiped out by the Hawks. Then LeBron came back. They lost to the Clippers and the Phoenix Suns. Walton lost that locker room. It was obvious. He needed to go. Thankfully, they were replacing him with Frank Vogel out in L.A., Finally, the Portland Trail Blazers. They traded Mo Harkless to the Clippers. They're re-signing Damian Lillard to a huge contract. He's going to get close to $50 million a year. And then they added Hassan Whiteside in a trade with the Miami Heat. He's going to replace Nurkic, who went down with a broken leg. So, you know, Portland was really close to making that finals last year. They made it to the Western Conference Finals. They could be a sneaky team if everyone stays healthy with McCollum, Lillard. They did lose Aminu. He went to Orlando, but they got Whiteside at center now. Great rebounder and shot blocker. Bringing back Rodney Hood. So we'll see. This comes down to where Kawhi goes. If Kawhi goes to the Lakers, they're the favorites. If Kawhi doesn't go to the Lakers, the West is completely wide open. Could be the Jazz, could be the Trailblazers. It's not going to be the Lakers if it's just LeBron and Davis, though. Sorry. So, everyone, buckle down. Get that popcorn ready because I think today's the day that Kawhi Leonard announces where he's going. Thank you all for listening to the incline. Go Dodgers, just a few games away from the All Star break. Let's finish this off strong. We've got four All Stars Ryu, Bueller, Kershaw, and Cody Bellinger. Represent. Go Dodgers. Kevin Klein out. Sometimes you better off dead. There's a gun in your hand that's pointing at your head. You think you're mad, too unstable. Kicking in chairs and knocking down tables in a restaurant in a West End town. Call the police, there's a madman around. Running down underground to a dive bar in a West End town. In a West End town, a dead end world. The East End boys and West End girls. In a West End town, a dead end world. Boys and Western girls.